Hi, I'm Steve Adubato. This is Lessons in Leadership. I want to thank you so much for joining us. If you've been watching our Lessons in Leadership series for the last year plus, you know that I could never, ever do this program for not for my colleague and co-host and executive producer of Lessons in Leadership, Mary Gamba. Mary, how are we doing today? I'm doing great. That was a heck of an introduction. Thank you. Yep, that's because you're not getting a bonus or a raise this year. It's tough nope. times. So tough I'm just going to say nice things on the air about you. Yeah, I'll just keep it coming all day long. We got a long day of taping going. So just uh, I'm here to listen and soak it all in. Usually you say just send cash. Um, yeah. <laughs> that being said, uh, let's set this up. We're about to introduce our, our two really good friends from Prager Metis, our, one of our longtime leadership development partners, um, Lori Roth and Glenn Friedman. But let's also do this. Let's make people aware of who the heck sponsors lessons in leadership and makes it possible. Yeah, that's a great way to segue there. So we have some really great sponsors. We have Gibbons PC. We have Prager Metis as one of right. our wonderful underwriters, Valley Bank and the International Union of Operating Engineers. And also I want to let people know if they want to follow us and follow you, Steve, to see what we're up to, they can do so on Facebook. And that's at Steve Adubato, PhD. That's A-D-U-B-A-T-O. And they can also follow you on Twitter at Steve Adubato. I'm uncomfortable plugging. <laughs> but if someone wanted to purchase this wonderful Lessons in Leadership book, how would they do it? They can just go right onto our website, which is stand-deliver.com. And there's a link right there to get the book yes. and to get all of your other wonderful books as well. Yeah, it's free. I'm joking. It's not. <laughs> um, by the way, you can find us not only on News 12 Plus, Lessons in Leadership, but subscribe to Apple Podcasts, Google Play. Find us on NJ.com, ROI, NJBIA. Uh, Spotify and Meadowlands Media. All right, enough of the plugging. Let's introduce our two very good friends all the way from upstate New York. I feel like I'm, since there's not a lot of sports on right now, I feel like I'm doing the starting lineup. Playing third base for the New York Yankees, the only baseball team that matters. All the way from upstate New York, we have Glenn Friedman, who is uh, the CEO of Prager Medicine International. How you doing, buddy? Good. Good to be with you. I'm Mary, Steve. Good to be with you. And I think she's in New Jersey. I'm pretty sure she's Lori Roth, National Managing Partner, Prager Metis. Lori, where are you? I am in New Jersey, Central Jersey. So thank you. It's oh, it's our pleasure. Uh, last time we had both of you on, it was pre-COVID-19. Let me ask you, Glenn, right out of the box, most significant impact from a leadership point of view of COVID-19 on the organization? I, I, you know, from an organizational standpoint, seeing everybody rise to the occasion and seeing the, the lessons that come out of it and uh, sort of testing your mettle. And Laura, let me turn to you. When we talk about COVID-19, I keep saying to Mary, and we'll talk about this later, that COVID-19 has created all kinds of challenges, fiscal challenges, organizational challenges, safety and health challenges. But I've also said that it creates, quote, opportunity for innovation. I don't want that to be a cliche or a bumper sticker. I really believe that. Do you believe that there's an opportunity for innovation here? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think that, as Glenn said, our team has really pulled together with this whole thing. We started with a, a plan based on some kind of a forecast that we had no way of really knowing, but try to anticipate what's going to happen. And we all pulled together and worked to accomplish that. I mean, from the very, very beginning and getting everyone set up to work remotely inside of eight days, taking a, a capacity of 250 people to 650 people virtually in eight days, we were able to do that. And I think that that was the first step in 
really figuring out what the new normal was and figuring what worked and what didn't work and trying to plan for it appropriately. You know what's interesting, Glenn, you spent part of the time in Florida, right? Correct. How challenging has it been for you, because you're in upstate New York now, Lori's where she is, how challenging has it been to communicate and connect with your colleagues, with everyone being all over the place? It, it, it's a double-edged sword, right? I think we're connecting fine. I actually think in some cases we're co connecting more often, more frequently. Um, so the, the negative there is you really do have to learn a new way to turn it off um, because you're pretty much always at work. Mm. Uh, from, a, from a communication standpoint, I'm actually talking to more people than I've spoken to in a very long time, uh, one after the other after the other. And I talk to people that had offices down the hall from me that I probably didn't stop in and see as often as I'm seeing now. So the, the technology is, is fantastic. If this happened 10 years ago, uh, I dare say that our economy would, uh, our country, maybe the world would not be in the situation it's in today, but we've all been able to operate. Um, maybe not to full capacity, but we've been able to operate and, and the economy is chugging along. You know, it's interesting. We're taping this at the end of June. It'll be seen after that. Um, we don't try to be timely, but we want to make it clear when we are taping. Mary, you and I have talked a lot about this, the, the fact that there's been some ways more com different communication, but more communication. Follow up on Glenn's point in terms of distance and remote settings and communication doesn't mean less. It definitely doesn't mean less. There is so much technology out there. Before I felt like we were really just communicating with our cell phone, maybe texting, maybe doing some conference calls, then having to get in the car, sit in traffic, get to a meeting and waste a lot of time. Now, even with our small staff of nine people, we are more engaged than ever in terms of having weekly Zoom meetings where we're all able to connect, touch base, give an update on where we are, but beyond that, we're also having meetings with outside stakeholders. Uh, for instance, we have a board meeting coming up very shortly in connection with our nonprofit television production company. And we have the highest attendance rate ever um, in terms of those who have RSVP'd. So it's proof you know, that literally having remote technology is a lot more efficient. And I think it's definitely COVID, no COVID in the future is going to definitely be a way that we're moving toward. So I'm going to follow up on that. Uh, Lori, let me ask you. Yes, we are communicating more differently, of course. I mean, just the idea that we're doing this and we have to all look into the camera. I mean, Mary's actually down there in my screen. screen. Glenn is over there, uh, Lori's over there, but we have to look into the camera. I don't wanna to get too into the weeds here, but isn't it challenging if you're making a presentation remotely, if you're leading and facilitating a meeting remotely, isn't it challenging, therefore an opportunity, to learn to get better at this communication, connecting with people in that camera. Share. Oh, I think it definitely is an opportunity. It's an opportunity for all kinds of things. It is a new way of connecting with people and a new way of communicating with people. But you know, sometimes out of necessity grows invention, right? So I think that we're learning things and skills that we should have had, that we will continue to have, and that will serve us well going forward. You know, you raised a great point about skills and tools and learning, which, which leads us to this to fully disclose, Plager Medis is one of our clients. Obviously, they're a supporter of what this series is all about, um, lessons in leadership. But some people have actually stopped leadership development. I mean, Plager Medis had to put a pause on it, and you had to look at it, and we had to prioritize. 
it's not just with us. It's, it's just, let's look at the question of leadership development, succession planning. Can you actually, because of COVID-19, whether it's program matters or anyone else, say, you know what, developing our people is important, but you know what, for the next couple of years, we're not going to do it because you know what, it's not a priority. We got to pay our bills. We got to do other things. Can you really stop development of people? No, I don't think that you can. That's not in our culture or our philosophy. But, you know, to call a spade a spade, it is a struggle, right? So you have to balance the financial aspects of it and the and the importance of it. We think it's very important. And I think that it's a question of the timing and, and planning it all out accordingly. But you can't stop investing in your people. And along those lines, Glenn, please share the tough fiscal decisions that a firm like yours has had to make and continues to make, and you're representative of not just other accounting firms, but industry uh, firms and companies of all sizes and types in different sectors. How tough is it to make those fiscal decisions that had to be made very early on and continue to be made for, on behalf of the firm? First of all, they're not just tough phys uh, fiscal considerations, they involve people. So, so they're human decisions, and, and that's what makes it the hardest, right? Um, you're affecting people's lives. You're affecting their families, their home life. Uh, so those are really tough decisions. And you have to look at the bigger picture and you have to be here right at the end of the crisis. So um, we had to make some tough decisions. And I think we were one of the first CPA firms to make uh, the decisions that we made. And we had to actually read about it in some of the uh, trade papers and they weren't too kind to us. What, and, what do you mean? Because uh, you made tough decisions? Yeah, um, to read that you're, you're furloughing people or that you're having some terminations or you're reducing compensation is not, uh, it's not flattering. It certainly uh, lacks a little bit of empathy uh, on the part of the media, if you will, during a very difficult time in which we were trying to balance uh, surviving the unknown um, with, with humanity, you know, and those are the hard decisions. So it's not just a fiscal decision. It's really about people and, and we're all about people and we wanted to you know we wanted to survive for everybody we wanted to bring back people as soon as we can we wanted to restore compensation as soon as we could but there's a there were a lot of unknowns out there when you think about how this rolled out i, I want to be clear about this it's not just in the accounting industry or at prager Metis. we've talked to university presidents we've talked to heads of nonprofits. we've talked to heads of law firms we've talked to people in the construction industry there is not one industry, there's not one leader we've ever talked to, Marion, back me up or challenge me, who has not had to make those tough decisions. And some of them are, quote, fiscal decisions, but as Glenn Friedman said, have very human implications. It's not a question of you're mean or you lack empathy or whatever. It's because you want to survive. And by the way, full disclosure, our production company had to make tough decisions. And there were layoffs. A particularly one very significant one. Someone could say, you know, you guys are so mean, but we're trying to survive. Mary, am I oversimplifying, oversimplifying it? You're not. Whether you're a company that has 800 employees or a very small mom and pop company that has five employees, the overall goal is to make sure, as you said, that you survive. And unfortunately, that just really takes some tough decisions and it hurts. And you do have to make sure that you're communicating with those that are just as impacted who are still staying with you and who are emotionally impacted and are wondering, hey, am I next? So it also involves a degree of transparency and communication with those on your team to be sure that they also understand the reasons behind the tough decisions and you're not just being mean. 
Lori, uh, last follow-up with you. As we do this program, most people are still remote. You can go back to work with a lot of um, restrictions and parameters. What is the firm doing? And this is a leadership and organizational and a public health and safety question. If people, you have so many offices, how are they going back to work, A and B? Can we continue to be, can your firm and others continue to be working remotely exclusively? So we're not going back to work, not right now, not in the offices. So we've made a decision and an announcement that the soonest that it'll happen is after Labor Day. We'll revisit at that point because we want to see what happens with schools and with the reopening of the state and things like that. I also think that um, respectfully, most of the plans are that people that can work remotely should be the last to go back. And I think that the, the less people that are out potentially spreading the disease, the better. And we want to be respectful of that. And keep our people, our clients, and, and all of our team members and their families as healthy as possible. So we're, we've made that decision that our offices will remain closed at least until after Labor Day. I'm not sure what will happen after that. And it may be office by office and in different locations, urban, you know, city locations where people need to travel by public transportation will probably be the last. And even when people do go back, it'll probably be in limited capacity and people will work part-time in the office, part-time remotely. We're actually in the process of sending um, equipment to everybody at home so that they can permanently work partly in the office and partly at home seamlessly, like literally pick up your computer and plug it into your setup at home or go to the office and plug it in there. And our goal is to have people in the office maybe two to three days a week on a rotating schedule so that right. there are different people at different times. But that's, that's our plan. Put it this way, um, they call it the new normal, but there's nothing normal about it. It's the new reality. So it Glenn, is. final question across the board for you and Lori. There are so many lessons, so many challenges, so many opportunities, um, so many human issues to deal with. What's the number one, dare I use the expression, lesson that you've learned about leadership in the past several months since it started in March? A good team. You need a good team around you. You need good people. Whatever your culture was before you went into a crisis, that's what's going to carry you through that crisis. And the better your culture and the better the people that are part of your team, um, no doubt you're going to make it. And by the way, some people are not going to make it. Some people are really going to struggle with this new reality. Um, and I know that Glenn and Lori coach those people, help those people. But I've, as I've often said in Jim Collins' book, a Good to Great, he talks about a bus, who's on the bus, who's not on the bus. I'm not talking about Prager Metis, but you don't know. No firm can predict long term whether someone should be on the bus if they can adapt to this new reality. Number one leadership lesson you have learned so far of the many, Lori Roth, if you learned, what is it? Yeah, I think it is really making the people around you the best that they can be and bringing out the, the best in everybody else. And that makes us all shine. I think that combined with the communication and albeit a new way of communicating, the communication is the most important thing. Well said. Uh, from beautiful New Jersey, we have Lori Roth. I want to thank you, Lori, who's the National Managing Partner, Prager Meta, CPAs, and also from upstate New York, playing third base. <laughs> I don't even know, but he looks like he'd be a third baseman. Glenn Friedman, CEO, Prager Metis International. Both of you, I want to thank you so much for not just being with Mary and I today, but also being our friends and partners in this mission to help people become the best leaders they can be. Thank you, Glenn. Thank you, Lori. Thank you. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Mary. Good stuff. By the way, Mary Gamba and I will be back right after this. This is Mary Gamba. 
If you want more leadership tips and tools, log on to stand-deliver.com. That's stand-deliver.com. This edition of Lessons in Leadership is brought to you by Gibbons PC, Prager Metis, Valley Bank, and the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 825. Welcome back to Lessons in Leadership. I'm Steve Adubato with my friend and colleague uh, and co-anchor and executive producer with so many titles, Mary Gamba. Mary, your biggest takeaway from the conversation with Glenn Friedman and Lori Roth? The biggest takeaway that I found was uh, be uh, adaptable, be strategically agile, and be innovative. They said in eight days, they literally took everybody, uh, over 600 people from in their offices to getting them working effectively at home. And that was no easy task. And then the second thing is, they really talked about the importance of surrounding yourself with really talented people, but then also developing them and giving them the tools that they need to succeed. So those were the biggest takeaways that I uh, heard from that conversation. Uh, yeah, by the way, I want to follow up on this, but do me a favor, Mary, tell everyone not only about where they can find out more about Lessons in Leadership, who funds us, and um, where we can be seen. Go ahead. Sure thing. So you can log on to stand-deliver.com, and up there you're going to find uh, all of our past editions of Lessons in Leadership, which is really great. You could also get information and a ton of free stuff, free columns on leadership, communication, everything you need to know. And you can find us on all over, uh, on Google. Um, I'm just going to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, News hey, hey. Plus. Go Come ahead. On. Come on. You're now taking over my job. I'm sorry. I'm micromanaging. <laughs> Go ahead. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play. And you can also follow us on Facebook at Steve Adubato, PhD, as well as on Twitter at Steve Adubato. And as you were about to say on Spotify, News 12 Plus, Best of NJ, Meadowlands Media. So we are all over the place. And I'm not going to let you take my job. I, I, I couldn't do Mary, I couldn't do your job for five minutes. And our okay. sponsors are? And the sponsors are Gibbons PC, Valley Bank, Prager Metis, and the International Union of Operating Engineers. Got it. Hey, you know what, Mary? It's interesting how you just, we were just joking about uh, taking your job. I want to put something out there. Very often, you would think that Mary and I, yeah, we prep for the show. We think about the show. We care deeply about the show, as hopefully you can tell. But we don't talk specifically about who's going to say what. And it's, um, whether you like Howard Stern or not, Mary and I have always been fans of his, not everything he says, but his brilliance, frankly, talk about innovation, his ability to not just be ahead of the curve, but a leader in the industry. And one of the reasons is because they produce the show, but they don't highly produce the show. They don't right. super produce the show. And that's one of the things we learned. And why am I saying that? You're saying because it Mary, because I just heard you say that he's brilliant. So you're comparing us and saying that we are brilliant. Uh, no, I'm, what I'm really saying is uh, I've thought a lot about what makes, I'm a student of what works and what doesn't and why things play out, what we can learn from it. So one of the things you said to me during the week that I'm going to put out there that you don't expect me to bring up, trust me, there's a point here, is that literally yesterday, a million things going on. Like everyone else, you're trying to prioritize, but Mary's got this to-do list. We're taping on Wednesday, so on Tuesday, she had a to-do list. And as she's going through her to-do list, I'm reaching out for her with eight new things, different things, pulling her in different directions. And finally, you said to me, what? 
<laughs> Do I give you the clean version? Or? <laughs> give us the uh, News 12 version that we could use on all the other platforms. <laughs> I, I just simply said stop. I have way too much on the list and enough is enough. I'm one person and there's only so much. And again, it was so funny. Last night I had a conversation and trust me, as you and I both know, my husband has a much more difficult job than any of us and the challenges that he deals with are truly life and death. However, the challenges that I was facing yesterday, I finally got to that point and I just, uh, which I usually don't do. Usually I'm very good at compartmentalizing everything. And I just finally said enough is enough. And there's only so many hours in a day. You are only one person. So to continue adding this stuff to your calendar and then rearranging things, plus getting ready for so many important things. You have the taping, the board meetings, getting proposals out, contracts out, invoices out, all in the while participating in all our wonderful Zoom meetings with all our great clients, which I truly enjoy doing. But again, that does take time out of the day. So I just said simply stop and you just need to leave me alone. What does that have to do with leadership? It has everything to do with leadership. Number one, it's very challenging for a lot of people. You and I have worked together for 20 years. So we've gotten to a point where I feel comfortable letting you know, hey, listen, you need to take a pause. You need to just take a deep breath. And you always say it, activity over impact. And yesterday <laughs> it got to the point where it was, it was a little bit too much activity without enough impact. And, you know, I still amaze myself at all I can juggle. I, I used to have a two page resume and now all it says in big bold size 40 is just, you know, I get stuff done. Because it doesn't say you, stuff, by the way. It doesn't say stuff. Again, <laughs> this is PG for News 12 Plus. And, but literally that's what I do. Anything that right. anybody gives me, I can handle it. But the leadership part of it is really getting comfortable with number one, knowing what you can and cannot do, delegating, which is a huge part of leadership but then simply opening up that line of communication between yourself, your manager, and your team, and have that candid line of communication to help to prioritize what really needs to be done and what could wait for another day. Okay, so a couple things here. And trust me, this isn't just about Mary and I. And, and what's interesting is that Howard Stern and Robin, Robin Quivers, they've been together for a lot more than 20 years. Their interaction on the air is brilliant in large part because it isn't planned and it's very honest and it's very raw. Sometimes it's uncomfortable. And I don't want this to be self-indulgent, so I want to be really clear on something. These are leadership issues because my first instinct, and Mary thought I was joking, but I really wasn't. I said, you know, you sound like you're overwhelmed. I, I first texted her and I said, I'm going to leave you alone. Um, <laughs> For five minutes, and then what was your next text? <laughs> I said, I need to talk to you. <laughs> no, so, you said, I, I, need to, I need you to completely rearrange my schedule for Thursday. The right. schedule that okay, you just now, locked in, in the midst of your very busy day, but... <laughs> don't tell but everyone But you left me alone. Day. You didn't right. call me. All right. Can will you stop? <laughs> I get your point, but I turned around and I said, Mary, I can tell you're overwhelmed. Can I offer you more money? <laughs> and I did think I you were joking, that? so we'll have an offline conversation if you weren't. <laughs> but, but I, and, and I really, I was half joking, half not, but here's what I'm really trying to say. Some of us as leaders think the best way, the really the only way to motivate our people is to just offer more money. But not that Mary would turn it down, she never has. <laughs> but that's not what you were looking for, was it? No, it wasn't. And, and, you know, frankly, I do remember one other thing I said is that, Steve, something is going to go wrong. You know, if you have too many balls up in the air, you cannot avoid one of those balls just falling. And I, I remember I simply said to you, I said, and when that thing goes wrong, please just give me a pass because I yes. really just need a break right now. And, um, and knock on wood, I'm going to find wood to knock on. 
Uh, nothing has gone wrong. Everything's been, but if I didn't call a, a timeout right there, I'm confident because there were a few hours of break in the day that you would have actually called a lot more. And sometimes I just want to say, hey, you know, call the other six people on our team and, you know, see, see what they have going on. But but on the flip side, 95% of the time, we have a really good rhythm going back and forth. You and I both hate idle um, idle time. We like to fill our time. We like to feel- We're type even, A. Yeah, type A, be busy, be productive. And also see, you know, down the, down the next six months that, all right, we have a really solid, nice strategic plan in place. And the only way to do that is to work hard. Okay, so this is the part that, that's fascinating to me. This is a leadership issue, but it's also a communication issue. It's a relationship issue. As you, as you heard and you can tell from <clears throat> listening and watching Mary on Lessons in Leadership, by the way, she wasn't always this assertive. She wasn't always this strong. She didn't always stand up for herself the way she does. Um, I even used to cry back in the day. Remember those days? Uh, yes, I do. <laughs> uh, and Don't do that my, anymore. Well, here's what I'm trying to get at. And I'm not praising us. I'm just saying, I wonder what it's like, because we do a lot of executive coaching. And I talk to an awful lot of people, and I coach a lot of folks, and Mary knows who they are, who will often say something similar to what Mary just said, that they were experiencing this overwhelming feeling. It was too much. There are only so many hours in the day. Stop. You got to call a timeout. And I say, well, what did you say to the person you report to? And they say, oh, I could never, I could never talk to him or her about that. And I think to myself, how many people are in a position where they can't and or won't, are afraid to say, listen, stop. What about those folks? And how poor is the leadership on the part of someone in an organization who creates a culture where you're afraid to go to someone? It's like a ball player that has a pulled hamstring and, and he or she, in this case, whatever it is, they don't wanna to go to the coach and say they're hurt because they're afraid they'll get taken out of the lineup permanently and someone else will be put in there and they'll be looked as weak. But that person's playing so hurt, it can get worse. Just like you said, you weren't going to get better. You're going to get worse. Please mm -hmm. share. Yeah. And it's really hard. When I was, you know, only here a couple of years, zero to five years, and this goes for any organization, any employee, anywhere. It's not really just about us. It's, it's about not, everyone else. It's not. And when you're in your 20s, I mean, we're here with Lessons in Leadership to help give tips and tools to everyone, whether it's at work, in a marriage, anywhere. And the, the advice that I have is take a deep breath. And even though the words may be different, the sentiment will be the, still be the same. Even if you're a new employee, uh, just going to your manager, whoever you report to and say, listen, I really need your help prioritizing. I've got eight things on my list. What really needs to be done now? It's just asking for help is not a sign of weakness. And we even teach that to our younger employees as well. Come to us, press pause, and you need to really throw up that red flag a lot earlier. What about the leaders who tell folks, I don't want to hear about your problems? Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> frankly, if you're in an organization and that leader says that and you're young enough and talented enough, time to just get your resume out there and go somewhere else because it's not going to get any better. It's only going to get worse. So interesting. By the way, I, I hope this therapy session has helped you. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Sometimes I feel like it's therapy, but it's really good. And it's funny. You mentioned about, you know, just that we have no plan. My dad watches religiously every single Sunday. So By the way, hold on. Your dad. dad, I'm sorry for interrupting, but it's a special time for your dad. He has a very huge birthday coming up. He's going to be 80 on July 24th. And he is probably the youngest looking 80 year old I've ever seen. And it's great. And he watches every Sunday. He takes This is Bill Deering? 
Bill Deering, and he reports back. He tells me everything. But the one thing that always amazes him, he's like, oh, do you guys have a script that you follow? Because it just seems that everything is so natural. And I said, yeah. no, no, we just you know, talk and, but it's not just shooting off the hip. It's from a ton, yep. a ton of experience working with other leaders and working with our own team and really figuring things out. So it's all trial and error. Let me just I say this as we wrap yet. up. I'm, a, I'm sorry for interrupting. Listen, Bill Deering, I want to say this to you. We're talking leadership, part of parenting. You have done an extraordinary job. Mm -hmm. um, not alone, but there would be no Mary Gamba if it were not for you being her dad. Um, and your mom, who I know you think about all the time, Mary. Yeah. So happy birthday, Bill Deering, 80 years young. You probably run <laughs> a marathon a next week. Yeah, uh, yeah. And, that, and this what has a way to close the show. We got to close this. We have to close the show. We're getting it's time. It's time. We're 10 seconds over now. 10 so. seconds over. I'm Steve Adubato. That's Mary Gamma. This is Lessons in Leadership, otherwise known as Mary's Therapy Session. We'll see you next week. This is Mary Gamba. If you want more leadership tips and tools, log on to stand-deliver.com. That's stand-deliver.com. This edition of Lessons in Leadership is brought to you by Gibbons PC, Prager Metis, Valley Bank, and the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 825.